Welcome to the Keeping Kids Safe podcast. My name is Karen Cohn. I am the co-founder of the Zach Foundation for Children's Safety. This is your number one resource for all things related to your child's emotional, physical, and social well-being. Now I'd like to introduce my co-host and my friend, the Executive Director of the Zach Foundation for Children's Safety, Megan Ferraro. Hi, Karen. It's so great to be with you today, and I'm really excited to talk to you about an issue that has definitely affected our family directly, and for many families, it is such a struggle, and that is the topic of food allergies. Yeah, so it's interesting because you have younger kids, and with having older kids, I thought we were kind of through that, that that wouldn't be something that I would necessarily be dealing with now, but of course, I now know that you can develop an allergy at any time in your life and, or you can have had one and maybe just not have known about it. I ended up taking Henry to the emergency room uh, in the middle of this pandemic that we're all in and had to find out that unfortunately he has an allergy now to cashews. How did you find that out? Henry is always looking at trying to feed himself in a healthy way because he's all about being an athlete. And he was researching protein bars and ordered these brand new protein bars. bars. They arrived at the house from Amazon. And what ended up happening is he ate one and then started, his throat started to feel a little scratchy. His eyes started to feel a little bit itchy. And so at first he since he's never had an allergic reaction before, he just thought really nothing of it. And then he went and watched a little TV for about 20 minutes or so. And then he was like, wait, this is getting worse. My lips are starting to get swollen. And so then he came to me and said, mom, I think I'm having an allergic reaction. So I immediately gave him Benadryl and called our doctor and the doctor and I were talking through it. And in the meantime, Henry's entire body was getting really itchy and he felt like he was climbing out of his skin. He didn't know what to do. His face was really hot. He started to get hives. And so finally I just said to the doctor, we're getting in the car, we're going to the hospital. And this was at 10 o'clock at night because having a 16 year old boy, they're eating all hours of the day. (laughs) We jumped in the car. I drove as fast as I could to get to the hospital and ran in and basically said, my child is having an allergic reaction. Please help us. And were they quick to respond or did they make you do a COVID check first or how, what was the reaction at the hospital? Yeah. Amazingly, they just took us right in and within a couple of minutes, they were giving him an EpiPen. And after they got him settled and they immediately started an IV with steroids because that is also, they also use that to help the body to stop reacting. Then we went through the COVID protocols. Well, we have lots of tips to share today. Karen, as you know, um, my daughter, Millie also has food allergies. She's allergic to wheat. And we found out when she was about five years old, we were on vacation and she just was complaining of intense stomach pain and she's a tough kid. So We knew we had to take it seriously, and her doctor suggested we try cutting something out that she ate most of. And so we decided to try cutting out wheat, and within a few days, she was back to her old self again. You know, there are so many different types of food allergies, but 
the most common, as you know, probably are peanut, milk, soy, egg, wheat, and tree nut. I assume cashew is a tree nut. Is that right? Yes, it is. So will Henry have to, or be careful about all tree nuts that he eats going forward, or will you not worry about that until after his blood test? Well, right now, uh, as part of my exciting update, I did find out that cashew and pistachios are actually sister nuts. And so there's some cross protein in those. So you have to assume that if you're allergic to cashews, you're also allergic to pistachios. And so the other tree nuts, though, we still have to go through and determine whether he's allergic to those or not. So between either a blood test and or a skin test, we are going to discern what it is he's actually allergic to. Tell me more about your meeting with the with the specialist. What did they say? Really just if you, one of the, th- one of the other things that I learned is that if you do have some environmental allergies, you definitely can be sensitive to and or allergic to the tree nuts or other uh, fruit that could be, they, as they refer to it as like cross-pollinated. So if you have an environmental allergy, it sometimes can also show that you're going to have a food allergy as well. Henry definitely has environmental allergies. And also with, um, with Jenna, she has a sensitivity to apples and pears. And for her, it's the same situation, except she doesn't have an allergy. It's more of like a sensitivity so that when she eats those and they're raw, she gets an itchy throat. Interesting. It's really challenging and interesting. It is. You know, I was thinking about Millie's wheat allergy and all the things that we have to look for and be aware of as we think about keeping her safe and keeping her healthy. And before I had a child with a food allergy, I thought about wheat as, as the main form of gluten, right? That I just needed to look to see if it said wheat on the packaging or on the labeling and obviously staying away from pasta and bread and cakes and things like that. But you don't think about the other types of, of gluten, you know, that it's in, you know, couscous and, and, and all different kinds of bulgurs and cereals. And really the list goes on and on. And I never would have guessed really that soy sauce would be on that list for people that have a gluten allergy or intolerance or, you know, food flavorings even. Um, So there's a long list of things that you have to be mindful of when you're thinking about food safety for a child that has food allergy. You know, I even have to make sure that the oats that I buy are gluten-free. It's kind of exhausting, the list of things that you have to be aware of and thinking about. Um, But, you know, it's so important to make sure that you're keeping your kids healthy and safe and really that you, even if you don't have kids with food allergies, that you're, you're aware and educated because you, as you start having play dates for your kids, inevitably one of their friends is going to have a food allergy or a niece or a nephew. You know, you really have to be so careful. Um, and a lot of times people will ask what the difference is between an allergy and an intolerance. Um, for Millie, she's actually intolerant of gluten. Um, she doesn't have an anaphylactic type of, of allergic reaction to it, but she really, we noticed one of the things that improved once she stopped eating gluten, not only did her stomach pain go away, but she started to grow. She started to get a lot taller 
and she started to put on a little bit of weight. And the doctor thinks it's because her body wasn't fighting so hard to, you know, protect her from the gluten or the wheat that it was really able to focus on just allowing her body to grow naturally. So I don't know that there's a lot of science to back that up, but it was really all happened around the same time. And so when you think about the difference between an intolerance and an allergy, um, while it's not a severe anaphylactic reaction, she really has had a lot of positive outcomes from eliminating that from her diet. Yeah, it really can be overwhelming, right? Totally. (laughs) And it makes you want to take your children, put them in a bubble, wrap them up, put them in the bub- in a bubble and not let them out. <laughs> yeah. So you remember that Seinfeld episode with the bubble boy? And then you realize, okay, okay, we've got to let something into their lives. <laughs> I know you just feel, you feel for the parents, you feel for the kids. And then as you mentioned, like even with the, with having a play date, it's one thing to, you know, keep your own child safe, but how about keeping someone else's child safe? I feel doubly responsible for doing that when I have another child come over, especially when they have a food allergy. And, you know, when they're younger, you feel even more responsible. As they get older, obviously they can be more responsible for themselves and they know what they can eat and they can't eat. And it's, you know, but when they're younger, you really have to be careful. It's so true, but it's really amazing how even when they're younger, they can advocate for themselves at such an early age. You know, Millie, when she was five, was able to go on a play date and ask a question. You know, even though the parents knew she couldn't eat gluten or wheat, they she still would ask before she would eat a snack. You know, just like we talk about in drowning prevention, talking to our kids about water safety, talking to them about not going near the hot stove or crossing the street without an adult. We can talk to our kids at a pretty early age about food safety and knowing what they can and can't eat. Pretty incredible. Yeah, and that's a testament to what a great mom you are, Megan. I was singing a different tune last night at about 5.30 when three of the four kids were crying and none of the three children were the baby. It was the <laughs> Now that we've been chatting for so long, I should tell you a little bit about my kids. Um, you know, I started, I met you, Karen, actually, while I was pregnant with my first child. Yes, I know. And a half years ago. <laughs> so I now have a healthy, happy 10 and a half year old son named William, um, who's really into sports and science and reading. He's uh, reads a, a book a day. It's incredible. Um, And then I have Millie, who's eight, and she is just a light. She's such a happy, positive, easygoing, flexible kid. Can't say the same about her older brother, but that's okay. Her allergies. Probably because of her allergies, right? She's had to be flexible and easygoing and just roll with the punches. And that's totally her personality. And then I have Teddy, who's four, and he is just you know, has such a big personality and lights up the room when he walks into it. So happy and adorable. Hates meat. Speaking of food issues, just hates the texture of meat. It will be a long uh, struggle, I think, to get him to eat a, a piece of steak. And then there's Charles, who's one years old and will eat anything you put in front of him. And <laughs> as is the case with the youngest, is just super flexible and easygoing and a happy, happy baby. So we're really um, enjoying all the different stages of parenthood right now because, wow, do you have to think about different things when you have a 10 and a half year old boy versus a one-year-old baby? (laughs) Yeah, 
definitely. I know. So Karen, tell me a little bit about your kids. My children are at definitely different phases than yours, especially with Jenna now being 21, which is crazy and so hard to believe. And as you know, obviously we met because of my number two child, Zachary, who passed away and he would be 20. And then Henry is 16, who I was just talking about with the, with food allergies. And also Sydney, who is 13, almost 14. So my kids are at a different phase, but I definitely remember those younger years and how physically exhausting they are. But now I feel like it's more emotional exhaustion. (laughs) I don't know which is worse. But I know I've been lucky to have you just a step ahead of me with all of these phases because you've been such a great resource over the years. Um, and I'm sure that will continue. <laughs> I'm kind of not looking forward to coming to you with questions over the next 10 years, because I think those are going to be a lot more challenging to figure out. They are, but hopefully I'll have most of the answers by then. Still, you think like, okay, well, you know, you have a baby you're new at this. You don't really know what you're going through. And you think, then you go through it with one child and you think, okay, I got through it. I can do it with the next one. And then the next one is completely different from the first one. So you're like, wait a minute. (laughs) Now what do I do? And so, you know, you gather as much reading material as you can for the younger kids. And then you, and then I realized here we are fast forward 21 years later, and I'm still getting new books to read. (laughs) So you can never be too educated for being a parent. I believe that. Well, since you've had kids for so long, you know, I'm the homer mom for two of my four kids classrooms. And while we can send in snacks this year, I was wondering if you had advice for sending food into classrooms um, for a birthday party or a holiday. Does your school allow for that? No longer. We are not allowed to bring in any food. What about last year? Were you allowed to last year? Oh, sorry. No, not, this isn't even related to COVID. This is pre-COVID. Um, so they basically just said that the school is going to supply anything that the that families um, are going to request because then they have control over what they're giving to the kids, especially those kids that have allergies. And there's also no more peanut products in our school at all. So interesting. So my kids, um, two of my kids go to the same school and um, in the preschool where Teddy goes, they are not allowed to have any nut products of any kind, but Amelia is allowed to have it in her grade. And I wonder if it's because there are no kids with peanut or tree nut allergies in her in her grade or why that is, but I am fortunate that I can send her to school with a peanut butter and jelly because um, otherwise it really limits what they can eat while they're there. Yeah. Mostly now we're just using sun butter at school. Interesting. And many of the kids do not like the way it tastes. So it's, it's difficult, but I understand why they need to do that. Absolutely. For me, you know, because Millie has been gluten-free since she was right when she turned five is when we discovered this. Mm -hmm. Um, 
She was gluten-free before she even started kindergarten. And um, what we did, because we were finding that parents were sending in cupcakes or treats, and of course, because they didn't, you know, we were all new to the school, they didn't know about her gluten intolerance and they weren't asking. So um, she would come home from school and say, there were cupcakes at school for so-and-so's birthday and I couldn't have one, I was so sad. So I had two tips that were helpful to me over the years. One was I sent in a box of Rice Krispie treats because they are gluten-free. So the teacher was able to have them in her desk. So if there was ever a special event or a treat being sent in, she had something on hand that she was able to give Millie. Once we got into a groove, what I did was send, I just bought a package of um, gluten-free cupcakes and kept them in the freezer And if I knew there was a special event at school, I would just pull out a gluten-free cupcake and put it in a container and send it to school with her. And by the time they were having their party, the cupcake was defrosted and she felt like she was included in the celebration. So we found that to be really helpful. I also find just in general that now schools as well as families are just so much more educated about food allergies and they're, and they're more sensitive to children that are having them. So oftentimes, like if there's a birthday party, families often have other things on hand for those kids that have food allergies. Are you finding that with your kids? I, I am, although I am just in a place now where if I go to a birthday party, I'm packing a gluten-free cupcake because we have been in that position where they haven't had something and it's, you know, like I said, Millie's such a good sport and she's so flexible. She's not the kid that's going to start crying because she doesn't have a cupcake, but you just hate to see that like little glimpse of disappointment in their eyes. So, um, but I, I do think that people, and especially our family and friends, you know, if we're going to someone's house, they are, and they're serving, I don't know, let's say lasagna for dinner, they will go out of their way and make a gluten-free lasagna for Millie. Whereas, you know, even three years ago, people weren't thinking they, they didn't have those things on hand. Um, so now a lot of our family and friends have, you know, a frozen package of, of gluten-free hot dog rolls or, or buns in their freezer just so that she has what she needs when she goes to their house, which is so kind. And, you know, it is freezer, so space, kind. freezer space is a premium. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so the pandemic, we it, it, that freezer space is valuable. Right. Exactly. So they get double credit for that. <laughs> One, as we fast forward to older kids, one of the things now that we've been talking to Henry about in our family, and it's not funny, but we're teasing him about it because he's 16 years old. And of course, now he's going to be maybe having a girlfriend. And so we have, we're talking to him about like, if he's ever in a situation where he's going to be kissing someone, he has to make sure that that person has never had, has not just eaten a cashew or pistachio because there have actually been instances where they, where people have either gone into anaphylactic shock or died as a result of kissing someone. Unbelievable. I never would have thought about that. Wow. So you won't be thinking about that with William just yet. However, (laughs) hopefully not, (laughs) you know, having him at an all boys school, there are some benefits. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't even like see girls yet. Like it's, it hasn't, that hasn't turned on yet. And I hope, I mean, he is only in fourth grade, but I'm sure it's fast approaching. He definitely still has some time. 
that's for sure. <laughs> and the girls start to notice the boys faster than the boys start to notice the girls. So um, just because they're, they mature faster. Sure. That makes sense. Oh my gosh. Well, hopefully um, he'll keep that in mind though. Wow. I can't imagine that that's an easy question for a 16 year old boy to ask someone before they kiss. Hold a second. Have you had any peanuts or tree nuts today? <laughs> right. Exactly. I know. Like, I really want to kiss you, but I just don't want to die. Right. <laughs> How to put that value yeah. on life. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, there's also, um, this is a conversation for another day, but it's also so important um, around asking consent and conversations are going to have to be very open anyway. And so hopefully that will make it easier. Are they having those conversations in high school with the kids or where are those conversations starting at home or at school? At our school, they're getting it in both places. Well, hopefully they're also getting it at home, but they are getting it at school as well. That's great. Mm -hmm. Well, going back to the allergy topic, you know, one of the things that, you know, you think about are, you know, when you're dropping your kid off um, at daycare or at a babysitter's house or really at a friend's house, um, really understanding and teaching your kids about not sharing cups or water bottles and utensils. And I'm sure to daycare that's happening on the regular, right? Like kids are just, you know, so unaware of, of what's hers is hers and what's mine is mine. Um, but I, but I think that there are some babysitter and daycare kind of drop-off forms that you can have on hand and you can fill out and list off your child's name, the food or drug allergies that they have, right? Because we've been talking all about food allergies today, but there are plenty of children that have allergies to different medications. Um, we found this great website called kidswithfoodallergies.org that has a ton of resources for parents on you know, cross-contamination of foods, different lists for common food allergies, um, and a really great form that you could look at so that if you do have a kid coming over to your home with a food allergy, you could actually use this as a resource to ensure that that child is safe when they come over for a play date or a party. Yeah, and that is really something that would be helpful for families to have. Absolutely. As we talked about before, you know, when you have a child come to your house, you feel so responsible for taking care of that child and you don't want to put them at risk. Right. And if you aren't a parent of a kid with food allergies, how would you even know to think about these things? You know, one of the most interesting things that I learned um, as a mom is, you know, having other moms say to me, I don't know anything about food allergies. What can I do to keep your child safe? Or what can I not send in to school to keep your child safe? And I was loved that question. I mean, what a great, what a great way to make another parent feel confident about everyone caring about their child's safety. Yeah. And you know, the other situation is when you go to a restaurant and do you go to a restaurant? Do you not go to a restaurant? And how do you talk to a server in a, in a way where it doesn't sound like you, you know, where they have to check every single ingredient in the kitchen before they make your child's food. Right. You know, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law have 
children with severe food allergies. And so the advice that they've given me over the years is to go to big national chains, um, right? So to go to your Applebee's or your Chili's or um, a Ruby Tuesdays, or I'm trying to think of, of those types of restaurants that really train their servers and their kitchen staff on food allergies and really understanding what a nut allergy means, what a dairy allergy means, what a gluten allergy means. And those types of restaurants are really set up to ensure that they're handling food safety in a really um, careful way. Right. Because the other thing too is one of the things with when, you know, when Zachary was little, he also had a peanut allergy. And so one of the things that we were told about in terms of the, you know, the other risks that you can be other things that you, that are unexpected is that some people put peanut butter in chili. Interesting. I've never heard of that. And so there's so many things that you have to be thinking about that it's almost like you don't even want to, as I mentioned before, leave your house, just keep your child in the bubble. Don't leave. (laughs) But that makes total sense. You know, so when we think about food allergies and, you know, I I don't know about your kids, but for my kids, one of the things that they enjoy doing most with me as an activity is baking. And so we've had to come up with some um, interesting substitutes here um, in our house. And so we thought it would be fun to go over some tips for cooking and baking without dairy milk products. Um, So, you know, I know for me, I am trying to, you know, off topic here, but lose weight after having this fifth child of mine. Um, so mm-hmm. one of the things that I've done um, is, is really look at ways to substitute butter in cooking. And I was really surprised to find that you can actually substitute applesauce for butter. And it works pretty well. Um, I made chocolate chip cookies recently without any butter and I used applesauce and it, it, the kids did not mind it at all. Um, and it was only really because we were out of butter, right? We would have just made them with butter just for the kids, but I found that you could use applesauce as a substitute and it turned out really, really well. And the kids had no idea that there was a difference. Um, wow. That's great. Impressed by that. The other substitute for milk that we have been using a lot in our house is almond milk. Uh, doesn't work so well for those of you with, with tree nut and peanut allergies. But um, for those of you that do have tree nut and peanut allergies that don't have a gluten allergy, you can use oat milk, which is another good substitute. These are great suggestions, Megan. I haven't really had as much experience there yet. So I look forward to learning about keeping tree nuts out of Henry's diet. Yes. Do you have almond milk in your house? Is that something that you were using or were you using oat milk instead of dairy? I have almond. Actually, what's so interesting is recently I have been putting cashew milk in my coffee. So that is no longer happening, but I do keep almond milk in my house and hopefully that's not going to be an allergy for him. And I also enjoy oat milk. You know, you know, we also keep that in our house as well. Just some tips. And, you know, for those of us that are listening at home or that want more information, there's another amazing resource we found called GoDairyFree.org. There are lots of reasons that people want to go dairy-free these days, whether it's 
allergy reasons or people feel like dairy can kind of make them feel sluggish. Um, There are tons of great resources out there and different ways to substitute butter and milk for other products. And oftentimes your kids won't even know the difference. (laughs) Right, exactly. And, you know, one of the important things that we need to think about, and you mentioned this earlier, is just if your child or even if yourself that you're noticing that you're having some some new stomach discomfort or stomach pain that you haven't had before, that you definitely should pay attention to that and follow up on it because you could have some kind of a sensitivity or an allergy. And that it's it's so important to pay attention to those signs that your body is giving you. Where would you suggest people start? If people are having stomach pain or discomfort, would you suggest they call their general practitioner? Should they go straight to an allergist? What should they do? Oh, definitely start with your general practitioner. Or if it's for a child, their pediatrician. And then they can guide you and you may eventually end up at an allergist. Great, great advice. Great advice. Well, I think we had a good conversation today about um, food allergies. And, you know, before we leave, Karen, why don't you tell us a little bit about the Zach Foundation? Yes, of course. Um, the We started the Zach Foundation after we lost our six-year-old son, Zachary Archer Cohn. And that's where the Zach comes from. It's capital Z, capital A, capital C. And Zachary passed away when he was just about six and a half years old in a pool drain entrapment. And many people don't even know what that is. And we will spend some time getting into that later on. But Zachary's arm got stuck in our backyard pool. And unfortunately, it held him underneath the water and he passed away. Zachary was a great swimmer. And as parents, we thought that we did everything we were supposed to do to keep him safe in and around water. And unfortunately, we did not know about the danger of pool drain entrapment in our own backyard pool. So we started the Zach Foundation because we felt that as parents, we thought that we were educated around water safety and drowning prevention when really we weren't. And so we wanted to make sure that other families did not suffer the loss of a child and knew about the risks of drowning. And so we started the Zach Foundation in 2008. And fortunately, we started working with you, Megan, shortly thereafter. So I think it was what, 2010. And so because of having you on our team and um, all these years later, we are still working on drowning prevention, but feeling like we're definitely making a difference out there. And we can talk about that in another episode. Sounds great. Thank you so much for listening to us today. We hope you got some great tips on food allergies and keeping your kids and their friends safe. If you want more information about Zachary's story and the Zach Foundation, please visit www.thezachfoundation.org. And don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. And I'm Karen Cohn, the co-founder. Be safe and well out there.